This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa, this is the Mike Francesa Podcast. You can get it exclusively on the Bet Rivers Network or wherever uh, podcasts are distributed. Um, Tonight, we uh, welcome in uh, Mr. T, Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets general manager who is involved in an interesting project. And for football fans, I'm going to turn you on to something that is going to, I believe, become a football resource for you once you uh, learn about it because it's been one of the better-kept secrets of this football season. It's called the 33rd team, and it is a new kind of different approach to – football information, uh, and one that I think will become popular once people uh, ha- uh, are, are really uh, acquainted with it because it is, uh, I think, very good and unique, and I want Mr. T to talk about it a little bit. First, Mike, welcome, and tell the folks how this thing got started, and then I'll tell them where they can get it and everything else. Yeah, Mike, great to be with you, my friend. I appreciate you having me always, and it's the site's the 33rdteam.com. It started a couple of years ago where we were trying to pair students who were looking to get involved with sports, young men and women who were looking for internships and experiences. And there were a bunch of coaches like Dan Quinn and Doug Peterson, Jim Caldwell that were between opportunities. And we simply put the student with the coach. The coach got some resources to stay current and the students got a uh, much needed experience and we turn that into a website and we try to put out content all the time, Mike, that takes people behind the scenes by people that have actually made the decisions. Really, folks, what you have here is a unique look at the NFL and a current look at the NFL. I mean, they're, they're doing the things that fans want. They're doing fantasy. They're doing some, you know, predictions and the stuff that everybody wants that the rank and file of the everyday fan wants. And there are in America, 90 million odd NFL fans, which means there are 90 million fans and no other sport has this 90 million NFL fans who go out and spend at least one hour a week researching NFL information. That is unheard of to have that many in one sport in America the NFL has over 90 million at last check ardent fans and the stuff that they're providing, you have Bill Parcells talking about stuff that I've heard him talk about through the years. He had one interesting about hidden yardage. And if you know, or you've ever been privy to that kind of thing, Mike has, I have Bill Parcells will talk about that a hundred penalty yards is seven points and stuff like that. That's the hidden parts of the game. Brett Favre on what the Vikings did to the Packers this week. Um, Rick Spielman on how a team's being built or you write this week on cousins and in the Vikings who were very, very impressive in week one, Rich Gannon, 
go down the line, many coaches, Mike Martz, all different people who are bringing a unique perspective to it. And I'll tell you something, the, the content is really stuff you're not going to get somewhere else. And I have no, I'm not selling you anything because you know it. If you know me, I don't sell my audience anything. I've never sold them anything in my life. Uh, I'm not, I have nothing to do with the 33rd team. I'm not acquainted with it. I don't have any vested interest in it. I know these guys and I know a lot of them and I know Mike very well. And Mike's been a friend for a long time, but I really think it's something that I want my audience to know about because it is that good a product and you will get some NFL content that you won't get anywhere else. So 33rdteam.com is the place to go. And I, I think you will find it uh, a very good NFL resource. And I think it's going to prove very successful because of the fact that it's NFL guys, it's NFL front office guys, it's players, it's coaches. And from them, you're going to get a very, very unique perspective uh, and, you know, on everything going on in the league. In no sport, like, is there the enormous analysis that goes on after week one of the NFL. The week one of the NFL is always enormous, but some weeks it does turn your team upside down. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Their offensive line is a complete nightmare. They had more injuries to the offensive line than they lose their quarterback. I mean, their whole season was completely crushed on a Sunday night in week one. That's, that's exactly right, Mike. And you know what's so interesting about that situation is if we were running the Cowboys, the first question we would have to ask ourselves in a very honest and sober way is, do we give up a draft choice to go get Jimmy Garoppolo or Tyler Huntley? Um, I'm not so sure we do that because I agree their offensive line looked poor. And regardless of who you put there, Mike, I'm not sure if it gets any better. It, and listen, they went years ago. Stephen Jones decided years ago, I'm going to build this offensive line. They built, at one point, the best offensive line in the NFL. It was dominant. It was unbelievable. And they didn't win those years when they should have won. And they had a team that could win. Now their offensive line, they have only Zach Martin and four guys who are terrible. And right now their offensive line is civ-like. They couldn't even move the ball the other night, and now they lose their quarterback. I wouldn't go out and put Garoppolo behind that line because he's going to get killed anyway. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now you're spending good money after bad where you could surely use the, the draft capital next year to improve your offensive line or whatever else you need. So I, I agree. Maybe you look at the best free agents out there, and let's face it, you know, there's not a lot out there. You know, Maybe it's Cam Newton you take a look at, or maybe you get someone like a Mason Rudolph for a late-round pick, but I'm with you, Mike. I think you have to hold serve. You have to figure out how else to win games. You have a pretty good defense. You have two good runners in Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Um, but it's amazing, Mike. You could go into a season with hope and optimism, and within you know 45 minutes of, of, of the first game, the world just looks so different. Well, think about it, Mike. Think of the decision. You having been a, a guy who's run a franchise, how hard that is to turn your back on your on your franchise and realize I'm saying goodbye maybe to my season after one week in a division that's very winnable, in a division without a top team, and maybe that's why they run the risk. But see, see, here's the thing. As you said, they can go out and get Garoppolo because the Niners are desperate to get rid of him. I don't know why because I, I think they're nuts not to play him over Trey Lance, who was awful in week number one. I know it was a pouring rainstorm, but he was dreadful. Um 
I understand that you would go out and it's hard to turn your back on your season, but there's no way for them to, to completely rebuild that offensive line with the injuries and the problems they've had now. They don't have an offensive line. Yeah, they don't. And it goes back to Connor Williams. It goes back to Lyle Collins. And they knew Tyron Smith could get hurt. And let's give them credit. They did draft Tyler Smith in the first round. But it's not good enough, Mike. And, you know, Cincinnati was an exception to the rule last year. But generally speak me, speaking, show me a bad offensive line, and I'm going to show you a bad team. And it's uh, they're really in a perilous situation right now. You know, it's amazing, Mike, as you look about, and everyone's always looking for a way to build teams, okay, and looking for the best way to build teams. Yes, you have to go out, and your quarterback has to be there for you to be at the top of the sport. It's, uh, it's almost impossible to do it without him. But let's be honest, when you go to the Super Bowl, any team you look at that goes to the Super Bowl is playing well on the offensive line and the defensive line when they get there. Otherwise, they don't get there. That's all there is to it. So if you don't have a quality offensive line and some pass rushes who can make a difference, you're not winning anyway. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, Dallas made the calculation. I thought they could survive losing Amari Cooper, uh, even Randy Gregory, who's a you know, defense lineman who had his own challenges, who got better, you know, looked like he was turning the corner with his personal habits. I thought they could survive that. But when you lose Collins, you lose Connor Williams, who's not great, but he's solid. And then Tyron Smith goes down. It's just hard, Mike. When you lose three good offense linemen, it's really, really hard. You know, uh, Cincinnati looked like it may have some of the same problems again. We know how good they are. At skill, at the skill positions, we know that Burrow's a really good quarterback. He clearly is. Uh, he, this, what I like about Burrow is no matter how bad a game's going, no matter how many mistakes he makes, he never quits on the game. He never, ever, he keeps coming back and coming back. And that steal game was a perfect example. And they should have won that game. They didn't, obviously. The Steelers outplayed them for 58 minutes. They came back, though, and should have won the game late. They didn't because they had mishaps, uh, obviously, in, in the special teams with the kicking game. But he doesn't ever quit on the game. But right now, that offensive line doesn't look that good either, right? It looks like it's going to be still an issue for them going forward. Yeah, and, and even the ones that they had that were there, like Jonah Williams in particular, he played poorly. And, and here's what would really concern me about Cincinnati, Mike. If you and I were running the Bengals and we were trying to fortify that offensive line, the job description would be, hey, can you can you block Pittsburgh's front? Like It's one thing if you lose to Washington, you play once every four years, but you got to be able to block you know, Cincinnati, uh, Pittsburgh, and they signed Ted Karras from New England. They signed Alex Kappa from Tampa. They got Collins from Dallas, and they were awful. Pittsburgh had seven sacks, and that's the biggest concern. I'm with you. I love Burrow. I love his competitiveness. But if you can't block Pittsburgh and you're a Cincinnati Bengals offensive lineman, nothing else matters. Let's talk about the Jets for a second. Clearly, Joe Douglas has elevated a lot of the – talent around uh, on the team. They they have running backs. They have Gardner, who I think is going to be a star, and he was very good in week one. Even took away Andrews at times. Very impressive for a week number one. Was only targeted twice in the game, which was a great amount of respect for a kid who's playing his first game. I mean, so he's the real thing. They have pass rushes. The one thing that they counted on having 
And we know they got questions at quarterback and they still have the injury there. And we know they have questions in the coaching staff. But where, where they didn't come to the fore was the offensive line. The offensive line did not have the left tackle, but the rest of the line played poorly too. Flacco had no time in the entire game, which had a really surprised them because they thought they were going to be, I know they were missing Brown, but they thought they still were going to be pretty good on the offensive line, and they were bad on the offensive line in game number one. Now, they ran the ball at the times, but they really, Flacco was under duress the entire game. I totally agree, Mike. I was there, and it was something that, um, look, they got Dwayne Brown to replace Becton. I thought they'd be okay there as well, but it was really, when you think about it, it was Vera Tucker, it was Connor McGovern, and Lincoln Tomlinson, and it was guys like Justin Matabuike and some of these sort of like unheralded guys for the Ravens. The game started off where they were throwing the lineman in Flacco's lap, and that's how the game ended. I don't think Flacco played that bad. He and I don't did. Think it was he was fault. under the rest the entire game. Yep. Yeah, Mike, I, I totally agree. And what doesn't bode well for the Jets is you're going on the road to play the Browns, and they have a good front as well. Yep. And if you, you know, one of the things Coach Barcells always talks about, Mike, is like, how do you control the game? You got to capture the line of scrimmage, especially when you have your backup quarterback. And it was guys like Michael Pierce, Clayus Campbell, Broderick Washington made a couple of plays. They just kept rolling people through there. And the Jets couldn't ever really capture the line. They, they flashed a couple of plays here and there where Brees Hall showed some explosiveness. But by and large, that was a big concern. And I agree. The, uh, I, I like Sauce Gardner. I think Garrett Wilson will be good. He made a player too. But yep, I agree. And cap- Hall looked good. I know. He, I know he made some mistakes. At, at, you know, Carter had a drop, and Hall had a drop, and he had a fumble and stuff like that. But Hall looks got Hall's got talent. Wilson has talent. You know what? They brought in some tight ends. Gardner's going to be a star. I don't think there's any question. I watched him at Cincinnati a lot. He's going to be a star. And they didn't even, I mean, they asked him to go out and play against an all-pro tight end in game one at times. And he did a good job against him. And he was fighting with him. I mean, he was, in his first game, he didn't take a backseat to an all-pro tight end who was trying to push him around. That kid's got a, a world of confidence and a world of ability. Yeah. It was never too big. You could just tell that, you know, physically, he reminds me of Antonio Cormarty just in terms of like his length and his athleticism. My one concern, Mike, for Sauce Gardner is, and you know, guys like Belichick will do this to him, is they're going to test him on those perimeter runs and make him tackle. So yeah, you make him tackle. That's the, that's the bottom line. And yeah. he's got, I, I don't think he's going to be a, a corner who's going to be afraid to mix it up. I don't th- I'm not saying he's going to be the best tackler in the world, but I think he's not going to be afraid to mix it up like some premier cover guys are. He, I think he will be okay in that area. I think he's going to be a very special player, but I was extremely disappointed in the offensive line. I thought they would be much improved even without Brown, and they weren't. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, again, I go back to guys like Barrett Tucker, who's a you know a high pick for them, Lakin Tomlinson, who's a big free agent signing. Those are the guys that you have to set a firm pocket and you have to establish the run because you know that Lamar Jackson is just going to be absolutely you know, difficult to defend. You want to limit his possessions. The best way to do that is long sustained drives, and the Jets were never able to do that. Let's talk about the Giants for a second. You know, the one thing, and, and, I, and listen, the Giants got, won a game. I can give you a lot of things Tennessee did wrong in the second half of that game, which were really stupid. They're usually a small team, but, and they did miss the field goal. But give the Giants credit. Give their coach staff credit. The one thing you see in the Giants right off the bat is Dable is ready to be a head coach and 
He put together a very good staff. And now, and you know this as well as anyone, we're talking about Mike Tannenbaum, you know this as well as anyone. It is very hard to put a good staff together when you're a first-time head coach. He put together a quality staff, and you could see it. That's the first time the Giants were crisply coached in the game in a long time. Yeah, and I would say this. like When you think about like what happened with like Nathaniel Hackett last night, not knowing what to do, and you compare it to Brian Dayball, I think that's a really good observation, Mike. It wasn't too big for Brian. Brian I worked Day- for Brian a long time. D- uh, Dayball was – he never for a second blinked about anything. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was decisive. He was mature. And you can tell that he's put in a lot of years, and he's put in the time. Some of these young coaches, you can see they look like deers in the headlight, as you mentioned last night. He lo- they look like deers in the headlight. He, he looks like someone who is, is ready to be a head coach. 100%. And – Give him credit because the easy decision would have been kick the extra point, go to overtime. And, and we know it, Mike. Hey, week one, you lose you know, in overtime by three to Tennessee. Nobody would have batted an eye. I, I give him a lot of credit. And one of the things that you could just see from the by language of Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, there's a real belief and trust there. And that's really important. Now, the two questions they're going to have to answer, Mike, with Daniel Jones is, A, can he play in 17 games? And B, can he cut down on turnovers? If, you know, he's a mistake quarter. There are a lot of quarterbacks who can make plays, but they also make a lot of mistakes. A Jameis Winston is one, as an example. Daniel Jones is two. He can make plays with his legs. He can make big throws, but he also is a terrible mistake quarterback, like on the wheel route. I mean, come on. He telegraphed what he was going to do there, and he still threw the ball. It was a terrible play. He has two or three of those every game, Daniel Jones. Yeah, and and on that play, you know, just throw it away. Like, the second best part of a passing game is an incomplete pass. Like, either your guy catches it or nobody. And, like, He's got to know that by now. I, I, I agree. Plus, the Giants, let's be honest, they gave up big plays to a team that is not a big-time passing team. Now, Tennessee, for some reason, went away from the best power short yardage back in the league on third and short on a couple of times. I just didn't understand it. I mean, I understand you're trying to fool somebody, but why not just line up and beat the heck out of him with that back? He's a great player. And really – ridiculously dumb plays, but they were able to move the ball. The giant linebacking core, the giant secondary, and their offensive line against good teams, I still think there's a lot there that has got to improve. But you know what? They looked like they were all pulling on the on the in the same direction. And their players looked like they had been prepared for the game. And they haven't looked like that in a long time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And again, if we go back to even like Zach Taylor, who was coaching in the Super Bowl, he made a massive mistake in handling the clock at the end, probably cost him the win against Pittsburgh. And we talked about last night a little bit. I felt like the Giants were well prepared. They were competitive. They played with a lot of energy. And that's a reflection of your head coach. Look, they have a lot of flaws on their team. And and this team, you know, is probably a year or two away from competing meaningfully. But if I'm a Giant fan, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, listen, if Barkley is going to be like that and he can be that explosive, he changes everything. I mean, because he can he can hit a home run on every play and it, you know, he changes that, you know, he changed that game 
from being a game where the Giants weren't even in it with one explosive play down the sideline, and that's what he can do. And and he did a lot of it. And that was the old that was the old Barkley. We haven't seen him in a long time. And that player is a player that can can change games. There's no question about it. And I like the like I said, the coaching staff is going to I believe put some confidence in these players in a very weak division. They could have a little better season. Plus, I'm always of the belief, Mike, that. You can take mediocre teams, and if you get them off to a good start, they start to buy in, and they start to believe, and they can have a better season than anybody ever thought possible. Mike, that's a great point. And just to take that thought a step further, there's seven teams that make the playoffs. And look, I'm not saying the Giants can make the playoffs, but even if the fact that if we're sitting here in you know late November, early December, and they're whatever, six and seven, seven and six, and they got, you know, at least into that discussion, that's a million miles away from that barren parking lot in MetLife when they were running a quarterback seek on third down. So even if they don't make the playoffs, you're right. Just the confidence and belief, that's a big step for the Giants. How concerned would you be in Green Bay after one week? I put it all on Aaron Rodgers. I was really disappointed in Aaron Rodgers going back to June when he didn't show up for uh, when Romeo Dobbs, their fourth-round pick, and Christian Watson, their second-round pick, we're there for rookie minicamp, and he comes out after the game and says, hey, my pa- patience is going to wear it thin. And if you're the leader, you got to do everything you can with these guys. You know, a year ago, they get waxed by the Saints in Jacksonville. The game was moved for a storm, but they still had Devontae Adams. Look, I think, Mike, they'll get back Elton Jenkins. They'll get back Bakhtiari. They'll be okay. But those young receivers, Mike, have to come along. Uh, I think Dobbs, you know, um, and again, there was some question about even how to pronounce his name over the weekend. So I guess now we've all settled in on Dobbs. But the point is, he looked ready. The other young receivers did not, including some colossal drops. He, I think, will be the first guy. He's the guy they're talking about out of that franchise. And I think he's going to be the guy who makes the first jump that Rodgers will believe in. But you know what? You can see Rodgers pouts, and you, you could tell he pouted in that game. I mean, he pouts when things don't go well, and, you know, he needs to lift that team rather than pout, and he, and, and he did pout in that game. There's no question about it. On the other side, Minnesota was very impressive. Yeah, they were, and I'll tell you, Kevin O'Connell's a really smart guy. We had him at the Jets. He was a quarterback, knows the game really well, he moved Justin Jefferson around, and for those playing fantasy or daily fantasy, Mike, when you think about like the impact he had with Sean McVay on Cooper Cup's production, I'm not saying that Justin Jefferson is going to be that way every week, but gosh, I think the sky is the limit for that offense and what Justin Jefferson could do this year. Jefferson's scary. I mean, there are some scary guys. Cup, Chase, Jefferson, uh, even, even a couple other guys, those three especially – Nobody stops them. Let's be honest. I mean, those guys can put up huge numbers every single game. I mean, Cup caught 13 balls. Jefferson didn't even only caught one ball in the second half. In the first half, he caught caught eight balls for 160 yards. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, like, I think the Packers like to have the one back where you could maybe put Jair Alexander on him man-to-man. They played a lot of zone, and they just picked him apart. And um, they are going to be an interesting team because they could rush the passer, and they have good skill players. I I thought I thought you know it was a good opening week. 
for Minnesota. I thought it was a very good opening week for Miami. You know, a lot of people were selling Miami short. And I tell you, a host of people were saying, watch, the Pats are going to embarrass them. Hey, they, they, that game wasn't even close. Let's be honest. The, the Dolphins just owned the Pats on Sunday. Yeah, and, and New England struggled in Miami for years, especially in August. And I'll tell you what, the thing that was disappointing to me was, you never say this about a Bill Belichick coach team, but Trent Brown gave up a strip sack where he he just blocked the wrong guy and the safety came free. He kind of like delayed blitz. And Mac Jones, to me, um, he's not going to make it through the year the way they're protecting him right now. And it's, you know, is this the beginning of the end, Mike? You know, they did make the playoffs a year ago, to be fair. It's only one week, but... I agree. That that was certainly a concern. Talking about Mike Tannenbaum, uh, again, he is a big part of the 33rd team. You should check it out. Go to 33rdteam.com. Very, very interesting and important in week two, Thursday night, say, uh, the Chargers and the Chargers and their offense and their quarterback hit the ground running. They, you know, the quarterback continues to just get better and better. The charge, the Chiefs, I did not think would miss a beat. They did not miss a beat, although Arizona did not put up much of a fight in that game. But he did hit 10 different receivers. They, they could have scored 70 if they wanted to. They called the dogs off and still scored in the 40s. I mean, they, they, they could have scored anything they wanted in that game. That's going to be a very interesting game number two. They're both good teams. I think the Chiefs are still going to be on that level where they're going to battle Buffalo late in the season. I think they're going to be there all year. I think they they just are solid enough in so many areas. Uh, bringing in Schuster, bringing in uh, Valdez Scanley, I think they have uh, more than enough uh, weapons, and obviously with the great tight end. Um, that's a fascinating game, though, in week two, the Chargers and the Chiefs. Yeah, Mike, whatever the over is, whatever the number is, take the over. I mean, let's just go to the last possession of the game, and I think Justin Herbert is as good of a player in the NFL, including Patrick Mahomes right now, because of his size, his ability. And I agree. I thought Kansas City was just absolutely flawless. And they're going to – I've said this a couple of times on ESPN, Mike. I think their explosiveness is going to go down, but I think their efficiency is going to go up. And all he has to do is play point guard. And you already talked about all the weapons that Kansas City has. And that game – think about if you're the NFL right now. Like you start off with a great Bills-Rams, some people calling it a Super Bowl matchup. You go into Sunday night, two marquee teams in Dallas and Tampa, Monday night, the Russell Wilson reunion. And now, wow, in two days, this this is going to be such an exciting game. I could see both teams actually scoring you know, into the high 30s, maybe low 40s. Yeah, it has shootout written all over with two great quarterbacks, no question. And, you know, uh, Andy Reid's an old friend, uh, but I've always felt that people, and I understand the one flaw, Andy falls in love with the pass too much. He doesn't adjust to the run enough. When he's challenged to adjust to the run in big games, he hasn't done it enough. That's his one flaw. But let's be honest, Andy Reid has spent his whole life in the playoffs. He has spent his whole life in, in title games. You know, it's, 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 you know, he's only won one Super Bowl, but you know what? I think he'll get another. Once he gets a second, I think people will realize when you look at the body of work, the consistency of the body of work, how many games he's going to win for his career is going to be at the top of the history of the league. He's going to go down as one of the great coaches. Oh, I don't think there's any question. He did it with two different organizations. You go back to Donovan McNabb. He's done it with a bunch of different quarterbacks, different styles. So 
um, he he's an all-time great without question. No question. And I, I agree that sometimes he needs to do a little more adjusting and he feel he does fall in love with the past too much. I, 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 that's a flaw. There's no question about it. But he has continued to keep the team at a very high level and they have had a great last four or five years, game after game. Think about how long the Chiefs struggled to be good, how, how many years they waited to be good and they were smart enough when he left Philly, and I don't knock Philly because they thought, hey, it's time to do make a change. And they thought it was the right time to make a change, because I understand. You know, that anyone can wear out their welcome. But the Chiefs didn't wait two hours to jump on Andy Reid, and that was the smartest move they ever made. Yeah, change the fortune of their franchise for at least the next 10 years. And the other thing I give that organization uh, a lot of credit for is this, Mike. They went to the playoffs with Alex Smith, which seems like 100 years ago. But systematically, they were relentless. They were like, no, we need better. We need more. And then they still traded up for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, the rest is history. But that, to me, that mindset was why they were able to get Mahomes. Let me ask you about a couple of things, uh, a couple of teams right now, and give me your thoughts on where they are. What do you think Washington is going to do in in the division? The division's winnable. Um, They have some ability, but they also have some – Weaknesses. What do you think? What do you think of Washington? You know, Wentz played well. He made some throws when it mattered. They got uh, Jahan Dotson, who to me is uh, he's explosive. And this is a team that, if they're healthy, they have a really good front. So I think they're a little bit like the Giants, Mike. They may be in the mix there for a while. What do you think of the Saints? I think they're a team that could really surprise because Dennis Allen somehow has always had Tom Brady's number, the new head coach. And then when you think about um, Jarvis Landry played well, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and they have Chris Olave they drafted in the first round. So to me, this is uh, a team that could surprise people as the year goes on. Everybody, including me, is on the Colt bandwagon this year. I have to admit that I thought they I, – I didn't pick them for a Super Bowl. I did. I picked Kansas City, but I did pick them for an over. They never win in week one. We know that. They should have won that game, uh, even though they got down 20-3. to three. Are you a buyer in, Kansas, uh, in the Colts or not? I'm not. I, uh, I think Jonathan Taylor is a great player, and I think they certainly could uh, play good defense. But you know, to not be able to beat Houston, which I think is a team that's going to struggle, to me, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not buying them this year. Are you a Baltimore believer? Yeah, I am. I think they could run it. They could throw it. They got a good defense. They blew the door off the Jets. They were missing three of their best players. Ronnie Staley, the left tackle, J.K. Dobbins, the running back, and Marcus Peters, the corner. So I think they're deep, and I think they're really talented. And what do you think? uh, Do you think the Rams will boss around that division? That division's not strong. Seattle was the first team in 15 years to play two rookie tackles in the same game. Denver gave that game away, let's be honest. And it, what a nightmare last two minutes. Forget that. It, it's been how many years since a team has fumbled inside the five-yard line two different times in a game? I mean, that is – I think it was the first time in like nine years that it's happened. They gave the game away, but that, be that as it may, um, Seattle's going to have a long year. Do you think the Niners – I guess the question is how good are the Niners going to be? You know the Rams are going to be pretty good. How good are the Niners going to be? Yeah, hard to say. I would play Jimmy G at some point. I think Trey Lance's future is great, Mike, but he's going to have some growing pains. And um, that defense didn't play as well as it could have. Now, it was a monsoon. It was only one week. But 
I would have told you the 49ers would give the Rams a run for their money. If Trey Lance plays, I, I think the Rams walk away with the division. I think so, too. I was not impressed with Lance at all. And let's be honest, they blew that game. They had a 10 nothing lead in the rain against that bad team. You can't lose that game. You cannot lose that game. And they gave up a couple of big plays. They made a big turnover. And the next thing you know, they were down. And when they were down, they couldn't move the ball an inch. Uh, and they lost their running back. Debo Samuel's a great player, but he's not a guy who's going to carry the ball 25 times a game. He is a guy who's going to do a little bit of everything, and now they lost Mitchell for two months, so that's a big loss for them. Yeah, Debo Samuel's not Tyreek Hill. He's a good player, but he's a notch or two below that. I think he's good, not great. I think the team that I have a big question mark about is Green Bay. I thought Green Bay could have a, another big season despite what, what they lost, but I, you couldn't have liked anything you saw in week one. I mean, I understand it's only one week, and you don't want to draw anything, and I'm sure they'll punish the Bears this week in prime time, but the bottom line is they got some issues. Yeah, they do, and I thought their defense was going to be a lot better, Mike, than it was, so I uh... – that that was a, a really big surprise. Like if that game was twenty one seventeen, I I could see it. But the fact that um, Green Bay struggled on defense was a big big surprise to me. And um, this is a big couple of weeks for that because they got to get those young skill players to go get going. And Devontae Wyatt. Quay Walker, those are first-round picks. they got to play much better for the uh, Packer defense. Mike, where do you think the Jets are right now? I was really disappointed. I thought they'd that was be a much bad further performance. along. Let's be honest. Yeah. That was a bad performance. Yeah. I uh, they they have to start playing better immediately. You know, I think the head coach is a little bit uh can you know, it's alarming some of the things he said. I, I, they had I, a really I don't good trust offense. his head coach. I think he's very immature and I don't see the team being well coached at all. I'm sorry. Uh, the giant team is stuck out that they were it, it stood out that they were well coached in week one. I have not seen the Jets well coached yet. Not yet in a, in a year and change. I have not seen them well coached. I don't know this coach personally, but from a distance, I just don't like what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. I have real concerns about him. I thought they had a really good offseason, but they got to play better like right now. Right now. I mean, and where are you on a young quarterback? Are you a believer in him? What do you need to see more? You see, I, I had not seen a lot of him in college, so I didn't have a real opinion on him. And I haven't seen any. I got to be honest. I didn't see anything last year that made me very excited. I got to be fair. I didn't think he was very good. So, I mean, I'm willing to give him time. I think you got to give any young quarterback time. But I, don't, I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's going to be anything special. Yeah, and he didn't play well in the preseason, which, look, it's only preseason, but he, he again, similar to Daniel Jones, you gotta, you got to answer the bell for 17 weeks. you got to make all the throws, and you can't turn it over. And those are two things Zach Wilson has not done yet. He's turned the ball over, Mike, and he has, he has real durability issues. So one of those interceptions in the preseason was very alarming to me. Do you want to, as an executive, is it hard not to overreact to week one? Is it hard inside the organization? Forget the town, forget the media, forget the, the town being upset or the town being over the moon like they are right now in Chicago or they are right now with the Giants for the, you know, they won games they probably didn't expect to win. Now they're excited going into week two. They, you know, they're pumped up. The Giants can get, are going to be favored against a Carolina team. And let me, let me get off the subject for one second before I get back to that. Carolina, that owner is a guy who, as you know, made a lot of money being a very aggressive investor. 
He will not wait, and he is running out of patience with that coaching staff. Do not be surprised if they don't win. And they screwed that game up the other day. If I, I'm telling you, he could be in trouble early in Carolina if they don't win some games. Yeah, they have a good defense, but like you think about what they've done at the quarterback position, like from Bridgewater to Darnold. I mean, it's been a revolving door there, and they have not gotten that right. So I agree that that is a situation to monitor if they don't get rolling here pretty soon. But to go back to your other point, Mike, yeah, I would say and this: the other point is not overreacting or or being an executive as you were, and not either getting too high or too low after one week. That's right, but. Where I would be concerned specifically is I'd be concerned since hey, we brought in the offensive line to fix it. We gave up seven shots to Pittsburgh. I would be concerned at the Jets where Vera Tucker is a one. Lakin Tomlinson was a big signing, and we couldn't control the line of scrimmage. Regardless if Zach Wilson turns out to be a good player or any of those other like younger guys. So to me, those are the places I'm going to be concerned. If I'm the 49ers, probably not as much because of the conditions. But if we're here in a month and Trey Lance is still struggling, that's a different story. Um, since you have ties to the Jets, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you believe the Johnsons are still in these? Like, I can't, I don't know of anyone why they would possibly with the amount of money you can make on an NFL franchise in the long term. Now, the Johnsons don't need money, but the question is, I've been hearing rumblings that that franchise could be sold in the next couple of years from people who should know things. Um, you buy into that at all? You think they're getting tired with the process, or you think that's nonsense? Uh, I, I would think it's probably nonsense. I, candidly, I don't know. It would just be speculation. But I know when I was there, they were always committed to the organization. Mike gave us our res- the resources, that building's phenomenal. Um, anything we needed to be successful was never an issue. So, um, you know, if there's speculation, I can't out there, see that's why anybody would sell a franchise because there's so much money to be made, but they don't need the money either though. I mean, let's be honest. And they're yeah, going to make a killing. Right. They bought the team for 690 million or something. They're going to make a fortune when they sell it. So we, we know they're going to make billions of dollars. So we, we, we know that, but the, the point is, uh, I just don't, you know, I wonder sometimes it's hard to read them if they're really into it. I think that's what the fans wonder about. All those guys, you know, do they really care? It's you know, some owners it's easy to tell when they care. Maybe they care too much. It's hard to tell with the Jets. Yeah, I, I think they do. At least again, when I was there for 16 years, they did Mike. Uh obviously I haven't been around the franchise for a number of years now, but um look, it's all about winning. And I think the Jeff fans at this point have heard about cap room. They've heard about draft choices. They just want to see progress on the field. And that goes ultimately back to the head coach. And um, I think everybody was disappointed in that performance against the Ravens. Mike, they thought on paper that they had a pretty good offensive line. It looked like to us, all of us just looking at the names, that they had a pretty decent offensive line with what they had put together. They played terrible on that, terribly on that offensive line. That's why this week is so important against the Browns. They gotta control the line of scrimmage because Baltimore, as you said, Mike, from the first to the last quarter, absolutely dominated up front. And and you can't blame Joe Flacco. So this week's really important. They don't have to beat the Browns, but they have to go in there and and do a much better job in the line of scrimmage, especially against a good Browns front seven. Um 
who were you most impressed with? What what new coach were you most impressed with in week one? Now it's hard not to be impressed with Dable. What what happened in week one? But uh, and I know uh, Minnesota and Miami are both getting a lot of bouquets. Who who is the guy that really caught your eye in week one? You know, I'll go to Todd Bowles. I thought you know that defense looked like his defense, and you know he's not a rookie head coach, but he's a new head coach. I thought Tampa Bay the way they're going to play, Mike. They're going to be hard to beat because Brady won't turn it over. They're going to be probably a little bit more conservative because that's the way defensive head coaches typically are. But that defense is probably better than the national media realizes. You know, I cannot believe he doesn't miss a beat. You know that? I mean, considering his age now, and we were wondering because the offseason, you know, the marital issues, if they are real and, and everything else. But it's amazing that he does not miss a beat after all these years. It's just he still plays with the same fire. He plays with the same precision. It's it's really it's remarkable that he's been able to do it for as long as he has. Yeah, that's why he's the greatest of all time. You know, misses a bunch of training camp, 11 days, Mike, reportedly dealing with some stuff at home, and he comes out on a national you know, platform, a national stage against a good Dallas Cowboy defense, maybe not a great one, but a good one. And he just cars them up, and they just keep on rolling. They sure did. All right, so 33rd Team, that is the name of the site. Check it out, folks. I think you will be uh, very pleasantly surprised with the content. Uh, they've done a very, very – they're still in their infancy, but they're doing a very nice job, and you'll get some – a unique. what I like about it is it's different. It's different. It's a unique view. It's, a, it's NFL guys – talking about the NFL, and that's a little different vantage point. I think, it, I think if you're a real football fan, you'll get a kick out of it, and, and you'll get some good information out of it. The 33rd team, check it out. Mike, thanks very much for a couple of minutes. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate My pleasure. It. Mike Tannenbaum, the former general manager of the uh, Jets, also obviously uh, had a position with the, uh, with the Dolphins, and now is one of the guys who has put together the 33rd team. Go to 33rdteam.com. And like I said, you know, you hear from Parcells, you hear from uh, Favre, Mike Martz, Wanstat, go down the list, general managers, Joe Banner, Banner uh, all the way down the line, you know, Rick Spielman, uh, scouts, coaches, front office guys, Everybody who has a part of the game, players, ex-players. So a uh, very interesting site, really is. And like I said, I'm not promoting it for any reason, except I'm giving you a chance to get to something that I think you'll enjoy, uh, the 33rd team. I like to go there. I've, I've been looking at it uh, throughout all the preseason. Um, I didn't even know about it till last year, till late last year. But uh, I tell you, it's, it's impressive stuff. It's very, very well done. Check it out. And, of course, check out. Bet Rivers for all of your wagering needs. You can get anything of ours at the uh, at on the Bet Rivers Network exclusively, and of course wherever uh, podcasts are distributed. The Mike Francesa podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.